0: How many husbands are here this morning? Raise your hand. All right, so, so you guys know we sometimes like to, you know tease our wives in some way, you know, like prank each other. Maybe maybe I'm just a really bad husband. I don't know. My wife's up there um, running the camera. Hi, Hannah. You're so awesome. I'm just going to do this real quick. Ha) <laughs> I just wanted to see if she could follow me. I don't think she did. <laughs> you guys got panicked there for a second. You're like, why's John running? <laughs> oh, I love my wife uh, You might even say I'm, I'm devoted to her, right? That, uh, that's, that's part of what happens when you get married You devote yourself to your spouse And this morning I get to come up here and, and share with you uh, The second of our nine core values And that core value is devotion Because as much as I, I love and am devoted to my wife She's amazing She knows, and it's the same way for her That she's number two in my life, number one is God, and always will be, and always has to be, and that's, that's how she is with me, and so uh, the, the text that we have with the word devotion is that we pray to and worship God in all circumstances, and I want to read to you from Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 25, at this point, Paul and Silas, after having the first convert in Europe, Lydia, Are imprisoned. And this is what they do when they're in prison, starting in verse 25. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. And when the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all are here. And he called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas, and after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It's a powerful passage of Scripture, and the, the reason that we, we wanted to, to highlight that and we wanted devotion to be such a clear, early, in-your-face core value is because this is a perfect demonstration of how when we are praying and worshiping God in all circumstances, guess what? It doesn't just affect us. It says that all the prison doors opened. All of those who could hear the prayer and worship of Paul and Silas were set free. And here's the best part, the part that makes this such an amazing gospel story. Even the jailer was set free. Not just Paul, not just Silas, not just the other prisoners, but the one who imprisoned them as well. That is the power of worshiping God and praying to him in all circumstances. And that's why here at Isle Community Church, we are devoted first and foremost to God. Thank you. Pastor?
1: Thank you, John. Good job. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm uh, 23. We're going to continue in our our series, and every week, John's going to give a new core value. So, uh, last week he came up and shared, this week is devotion, and every week we're going to have fun until we get through all nine. And welcome to Belle Isle Community Church. We got a phone call this week that, that asked the question what does Begale Community Church mean? <laughs> and I looked it up, and Beguile is not in the Bible. And I couldn't give you a Greek and a, a, a definition for beguile. So it's not Beguile Community Church. It is Belle Isle Community Church. Let's all say Belle Isle together. One, two, three. Belle Isle. Belle means beautiful. You are beautiful. This church is beautiful. This community is beautiful. The gospel is Beautiful. And I'm glad to be a part of Belle Isle Community Church, and all God's people said. And another thing, real quick. I'm sorry? Thank you. Thank you. I haven't been told I'm beautiful in a long time. I appreciate that. And by the way, we are still going to be a, a Methodist church. I got that email this week by an anonymous email. I don't normally respond to anonymous emails. In fact, I, 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 if you send me a letter, you don't put your name on it, I don't read it. But I felt like I needed to do, uh, respond to this email. They didn't say who they were, but they said, does this mean we're not a Methodist church? No, we're a Methodist church. We're just going to align ourselves with the global Methodist church, a conservative, Bible-believing denomination, a worldwide denomination that still believes that the Bible is true and uh, we are following them. And, and so there's an update. Uh, I mean, uh, we're in the process of... Um, getting free from progressive theology. We don't know how long it's going to take. There was some major negotiations this weekend. Uh, we don't have an update, and I promise you, as soon as we hear something, we're going to let you know. Until then, we're just going to stay focused on what we're called to do and be the church that God wants us to be. And so we'll be having signs and new logos coming out in the next couple of weeks, so be patient. It's just a lot of work going on, and we will uh, continue to uh, update you and keep you posted. Psalm 23, if you're with me, let me hear an amen. Amen. All right, we're in a year-long series on Psalms, and and we're camping out now in Psalms 23, a beautiful, beautiful verse, uh, chapter that is so popular, and so much truth in this incredible uh, uh, chapter in Psalms, Psalms 23. We're looking at verse 5 just for the next couple minutes, and I don't know how far we're going to get. We're just going to see what God wants to do. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Now, when you came in today, again, this is a low-budget, (laughs) high-impact. For those on the finance team, this costs $19.95. Here it is. Everybody get your cup just for a moment. In the balcony, get your cup. Online, get a cup. Here in the sanctuary, we all have cups. I want you to hang on to this as a reminder that God wants you to live a life that is overflowing. The cup is not half full. The cup is not three-quarter full. The cup is a cup that is overflowing. And that is a symbol that God is going to make sure that you have all that you need and then he's going to have enough for you to be a blessing to other people. I get just, I guess a little frustrated when believers are living life half full. Christ said, I have come, not so that you can just live life with a, with a half a cup, quarter cup, three-quarter cup, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life abundant, overflowing, enough for you and enough for other people. Your half-empty cup doesn't do you any good and it doesn't do anyone else any good either. Abundant life is when you are receiving all that God has and you're full, and then you're a blessing to other people. So when you see this little cup, you may have some images of what this cup means. This is supposed to be a positive image. I see George back there laughing. I know George like a... This is to remind you that you are called to live an abundant life and to live a life that's overflowing. Put it in your car. Put it in your... in the. I was going to say bathroom, but that would be a bad idea. Put it, put it in the kitchen. Put it somewhere where you can see it so you can remind yourself that God has called you to live an overflowing life. Amen? An abundant life. Now, how do we get there? I, I, I did this a couple weeks ago. I, I poured a cup and I, I poured water on it and some of you got all upset because you thought we were going to ruin the floor here on the stage. But abundant living, an overflowing life. How do you get there? Well, you got to take a step back just for a moment and before you get to the cup overflowing, you've got to really start in verse 5 where, it said, where David says, watch this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of, of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Now watch this. If you want to live a life that's overflowing, you've got to live a life that is anointed, You've also got to live a life that is walking in victory over your enemies. When you walk in victory over your enemies, you step into the anointed life. When you live the anointed life, your cup overflows. So I'm going to take a step back just for a moment because I want you to to get this. David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. See, we have a table here, and I use this really every Sunday, but it's a beautiful uh, example and illustration. David said, because of what Christ has done for me and for you, you make me victorious, and you prepare a table in the presence of mine enemies. There's nothing more frustrating than to see Christians living below standard, not walking in victory. God wants you to understand that you are victorious because of what Jesus Christ has done. You are so victorious that God prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Now, I want you to think just for a few moments of some of the enemies that you have in your life. Enemies of sickness and disease. Enemies of discouragement. Enemies of hopelessness. Enemies of despair. Enemies of distractions. We have so many. How many has ever had an enemy? Can I see your hand? Yeah, fill in the blank. God wants you to know before you can live the life that's overflowing, you've got to live a life that's anointed. In order to live a life that's anointed, you've got to believe that you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. And you are so much a conqueror that he's gonna prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And when God makes a table for you, it's a table of celebration. It is a table of victory. And your enemies are there, but they are not seated at the table. They are there seated at your feet. You show me somebody who believes in the power of the Holy Spirit and the victory that we have through Jesus Christ, and I'll show you someone who enjoys a feast in the presence of their enemies and they live the anointed life and their cup overflows. In order for you to overflow, you have got to have a mindset that says, I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. It's not the work that you have done, but it is the work that you have received by faith through Jesus Christ that gives you the ability to sit at a table and you can enjoy that victory that is only found through Jesus Christ in the presence of your enemies. They never will sit with you at the table. They're at your feet. And you are victorious today. So here's the nugget that I want you to leave with in the next few moments that we have together. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ because the victory of Calvary's cross that has enabled you and empowered you to sit at a table of celebration in the presence of your enemies. Your enemies are watching you celebrate what Christ has done on your behalf. Why in the world would you allow your enemies a place at a table that wasn't prepared for them? It was prepared for you. The table of victory and celebration is not prepared for them. It's prepared for you. But many times I believe that we have become so comfortable with our enemies that we pull up a chair and say, would you like to join me? We need men and women at Belle Isle Community Church that are walking in victory in the presence of our enemies. They're at your feet. They're never intended to dine with you. That's not Christ's intention for your enemies to celebrate with you. They are meant to be at your feet as you celebrate the victory that has been won through Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's go real quickly. uh, Let's go to Romans just for a moment. Romans chapter 4. And uh, and I, I, I know you know this and I want you to hear this today. How many want to walk in victory today? About four of you. How many want to be overcomers today? How many want to have a cup that's overflowing? How many want to live the anointed life? You do that when you celebrate the the victory that Christ has already won on your behalf. Romans, let me find Romans here. Anybody know where Romans is? Romans, thank you very much. There you go. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 37. I'm having trouble finding. I Romans 8, I'm sorry. Romans 8, I'm sorry. I'm misleading you. I'm, Romans chapter I'm looking at verse 7. I couldn't see the scripture. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 34. Christ who has died more than that, who was raised to life and is at the right hand of God And is also interceding for us. What is Christ doing for us right now? He's interceding for us. You know what I believe he's saying? Oh, I pray for Bell Alchemy Church that those men and women would see themselves as I see them. I pray that they would walk in victory today. I pray that they would not give their enemies a place at the table of victory. But they would see that their enemies are at their feet. That's what Christ is praying for us today. Christ is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or sword or danger? No. Verse 37 In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loves us. I love that. For I am convinced that neither angels nor demons, neither in the presence, or the future or any powers neither height or depth or anything else in all creation shall separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church look at me just for a moment. Bellal Community Church, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. You are more than a conqueror. You are not the conqueror. Christ is the conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. So watch this He fights the battle, and he gives you the victory. He fights the battle, and he gives you the Super Bowl ring or the big gold belt that those wrestlers have. You're walking around with a victory belt, a victory ring, and it's because of Jesus Christ. You are more than a conqueror. And I think the key to living a life that's anointed is seeing yourself as Christ sees you and walking in that. Now watch this. We all have hardships. We all have troubles. We all have things we're working through. Is there anybody here that's perfect and doesn't have any battles? No. Life is filled with battles, but you are more than a conqueror. If you're fighting addiction today, I declare over you today that you are bigger than addiction. And addiction is, does not pull up a seat at the table of victory. Addiction is under your feet. I would love to have us all look under our feet right now, but as I get older, it's getting harder and harder to do. <laughs> I got to get these sketchers now that you just slip in. You don't have to tie, you just slip them in. I, I, but, but I'm going to try. Look under my feet. That's where my enemies are. And that's where your enemies are. You prepare a table for me, Christ, in the presence of my enemies. Now, when I read this, I thought, this is the same guy that knows a little bit about battles with enemies. This is David. And the Bible says in Samuel that there was an enemy called Goliath. Big. Imposing. Dominant. He was a force to be reckoned with. So much so, look it up, that everyone in the army of Israel ran in fear. Look it up. Every general every lieutenant, every high-ranking official, when Goliath spoke, the Bible says they ran in fear. I just, I like to study. And I simply just made uh, just an observation. I wonder what Goliath's name means. His name means to strip. Watch this, powerful. When he spoke, he was stripping people of their courage. Yeah, how do I know that? Because when he spoke, people ran in fear, and they were terrified. You see, that's what the enemy, Goliath, wants to do in your life today. He wants to speak words over you and strip you of your dignity. He wants to strip you of your character. He wants to speak words that that, that demoralize you and strip you of your strength and strip you of your courage and strip you of your boldness. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Subtle words, yet so powerful. He doesn't have to shout. He is so imposing and so dominating that he simply speaks words and it strips us of our confidence in who we are. You're going to die of cancer. You're going to die alone. You're going to die without any money something's going to happen to your kids. Something's going to happen to your daughter. Something's going to happen to your business. And this imposing figure simply speaks and it strips us of our courage. And it's happened to you and it's happened to me and it happens all the time. David understood of all the people in the army of the Israelites, he understood that he could not allow his enemies a place at the table. And David made a decision. I am not going to allow Goliath to strip me of my courage, to strip me of my boldness, to strip me of my dignity, to strip me of the strength that I have through Jesus Christ. I'm not going to allow it. And David stood up against that spirit of Goliath and had victory over him. I've been to this valley. In fact, I've taken some of you to this valley. It is a beautiful image. I'm telling you, you go to this valley, and there is a a, a mountain on the right and a mountain on the left. And we stood in the middle of this valley, and I had everyone that went with me. I said, pick up a stone. And each and every one of us, I remember it like it was yesterday, we picked up a stone in that valley, and I prophesied over them. I want you to have the courage that David had. Pick up a stone. And with boldness and confidence and assurance, stand up against the voice of Goliath and defeat him through the power that Christ has given you on Calvary's cross. And all of us in that valley, we picked up a stone and we held that and we brought it home. It was my only souvenir that I brought home the whole trip. A rock. How powerful. A rock. A stone from the valley that David used to defeat Goliath. That same young shepherd boy was the one that wrote in Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I am afraid that there is people in this church today that you are giving your enemy a right to dine with you at the victor's table. And they have no right. They are under your As you walk out today on this beautiful carpet and you walk out into the lobby and you walk out in the parking lot, I want you to remind yourself of the power that you have through Jesus Christ. You are more than a conqueror. Stop allowing Goliath to strip you of the courage that you have through Jesus Christ. Get your shoulders up, get your head up, and declare, I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate us from that. The gift that Christ has given us through Calvary's Cross, you're a victor. Are y'all still with me? I'm I'm not mad, I'm devoted, I'm committed, I'm passionate about this. I want to see you live in victory. If you're still with me, say amen. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God. Everybody say thanks. thanks. That he gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Church, you can't work it up. You can't try to do this. You can't try to be strong in your own power. You just have to accept it and you thank God for it. God, thank you that through Jesus Christ I have the victory. But thanks to be God, be, be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For everyone born of God, how many people are here born of God? Let me hear an amen. amen. Overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Well, Pastor Scott, I don't feel like it. I know you don't feel like it. Sometimes you just don't feel like it, but you're still a conqueror. You're still more than a conqueror, even though you don't feel like it. That's why we're called to walk by faith. That's what the theologians of, uh, of the past would declare over us today. You, you walk by faith. You're not walking by your feeling. You're not walking about how you, your emotions. You're living life by faith, and through faith, we have victory through Jesus Christ. Can I get an Amen. I love this one, 1 John 1, 5. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Look what Washman Nee says. A person who wholly follows the Lord is one who believes that his promises of God are trustworthy, and that he is with his people, and they are well able to overcome. You're able today. You're able to overcome through Jesus Christ. So point number one, you've got to believe and receive the victory that is yours through Jesus Christ. I hope you leave this morning feeling like you're a victor. And it's not because of what you've done. It's not because of your work. It's because of the finished work of Christ on Calvary's cross. You are victorious through Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. Number two. Here we go. We're going to finish here strong. We've got about five more minutes. If you want to live a life that's overcoming, you've got to live a life that is anointed. If you want to live a life that's anointed, you've got to live a life that is victorious. So here's point number two. If you want to live that kind of life, you've got to connect with the anointed one. Everyone say connect. You've got to connect with the anointed one. Now let me say this. You show me who you connect with, and I will show you the person you'll become. The key to living a life of overflowing is a key to living a life that is connected. What do I mean by that? If you look at and look in your notes, Christ, Jesus Christ, Christ, the name Christ means the anointed one. He's the anointed one. That's what Christ means. Look it up. He means the anointed one. To anoint, when David says you anoint my head with oil, that word there, anoint, means to rub or to smear. Now watch this. David, come up here real quick. I didn't tell David I was going to do this, but he's ready to go. Everyone, how many of you want to connect to the anointed one? All right, watch this. The way that you live an anointed life is you connect with the anointed one. This is Christ. He is the anointed one. When Christ anoints us, that means that we rub off or on the anointed one. If you want victory, get anointed by the anointed one. And you do that through connection. He, are you all with me, wants to rub on you. That's what it means to live the anointed life. When Christ anoints you, he is rubbing or you are rubbing and he is rubbing off on you. The more you stay connected to the anointed one, the more anointed you will be. Oh, but Pastor Scott, I don't feel anointed. Well, that's because there's a disconnect. You're more impacted by Sean Hannity than you are the anointed one. How do I know that? You show me the people you surround yourself with and I will show you the person you will become. You look more like Sean Hannity than you do Christ because of the time you spend. No, I'm just picking Sean Hannity. I could, I could pick Tiger Woods. I could pick anybody. The point is, if you want to live the anointed life, you've got to connect with the anointed one and allow him to rub off on you so that whenever you go, you're taking him with you, the anointed one. And you live the anointed life by allowing the anointed one to rub or to smear himself on you. David said, you anoint my head with oil. See, there's a connection there's a bond. There's a relationship. And it's more than just Sunday morning from 10 to 1130. There is a connection where, where you connect with the anointed one. You then become anointed. And David said, you anoint my head with oil. Everyone touch your head just for a moment. Not everyone's got their hand on their head. I'm going to wait. Till, here. we go. Thank you, sir. You anoint my head. Why does he anoint your head? Because when you get your head anointed, your thoughts become anointed. When you anoint your thoughts, you anoint your beliefs. When you anoint your beliefs, you anoint your values. When you anoint your values, you anoint your character. When your character is anointed, your behavior is anointed. It starts from the head and it flows down. David was anointed in his mind first. Watch this. Stay right there, David. I mean Christ. Stay right there. Watch this. When Goliath came to David... David's head was already anointed. His thoughts were anointed. His behavior was anointed. And it starts in the head and it goes to the thoughts and it goes to the values and it goes to the character so that when Goliath came to David and tried to strip him with his words, David was already anointed on his head and Goliath's words had no impact on him. Are y'all with me? See, that's where the enemy attacks. He attacks in the mind. He attacks in the thoughts. Goliath speaks words in your thoughts and if you entertain them... and give them an unrightful spot in your life, those thoughts will begin to bear fruit. And you will run like the rest of the army because your head was not anointed. Thank you. Your thoughts were not anointed. You get anointed by connecting with the anointed one. Jesus, I want to know you. Jesus, I want to act like you. Jesus, I don't want to look like Sean Hannity. I want to look like you. I know it's football season. There's not a football player in this world that I want to connect with because they can't do anything for me to walk in victory. There's only one person I can point you to that's going to give you victory, and that's the anointed one, Christ. Connect with him. Rub on him. And when he rubs off on you and anoints your head, you walk in victory because your thoughts are anointed and your behavior is anointed and your character is anointed because he anoints your head and it always flows down. Are you with me? Stay right there. Go to Psalm 133 real quick. Uh, Bruce, come on up and play an, an, an anointed song. Oh, hallelujah. I, I connect and I get it. I know some of you people are looking like I'm crazy. I'm crazy. Okay, I'm crazy. All right, here we go. We're all crazy, thank you. But look, look at Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, running down the collar of his robes. Is it, it, it's as if the, the Drew of Hebron were falling down on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. My cup overflows. God commands Blessing when you and I are connected with the anointed one. And when there's that connection, you change and it starts from your head and it pours down to your whole soul and your body. And you live that anointed life. You don't have to fabricate it. You don't have to work it up. You just have to receive it by faith and say, God, I want to be like David. I don't want to be like the the, the the soldiers who ran in fear because they were stripped of their courage. I want to be like David. God raise up men and women in Bel ba- community church that are anointed from the head down. It's good, it's pleasing. Watch this. And God commands his blessing evermore. Would you love your business to be blessed? Would you love your finances to be blessed? Would you love your kids to be blessed? Would you love your country to be blessed? Would you love your president to be blessed? Would you love your pastor to be blessed? Would you love your wife to be blessed? Yes. It happens when you and I connect with the anointed one. And you just live your life. And guess what happens when you are connected to the holy one, to the anointed one? You live an anointed life. I really wish I had more time. Thank you, David. He, he's hugging me. See, see, we're getting connected now. Uh, we're going to displace in, in just a minute. Listen to this. Acts chapter 4. Come on, another One. Watch this. The Bible says that the disciples, how many disciples do I have here today? They were going around and they were overflowing. Their cup was overflowing. Surely in goodness were following all the days of their life. They were overflowing. They were being blessed. Their head was anointed. They were not intimidated by the Goliath. They were living a life that was beautiful. And people, watch this, in Acts chapter 4, the Bible says, people took note that those guys had been with Jesus. They got a pen out, and they got a paper out, and they said, I don't understand it. I've never seen anything like this before, but I'm taking note. Those people are connected. Those people are anointed, and they got out their iPad, and they took note. Those guys have been with Jesus. Look it up. The Bible says they were unschooled, ordinary. But when you live the anointed life and you allow the Holy Spirit to anoint your head with fresh oil, people will take note. They'll go. They will say, "You don't have a degree, and you haven't been trained in the finest of facilities in this world." But we're taking note. You have been with Jesus. You've been connected. You're anointed. People see it. People notice it. Mom, your kids can tell if you've been with Jesus. Your grandkids will feel if you're connected or not. It's true. And the only way to live an anointed life is to rub and connect with the anointed one. So when people see you, they'll see Christ and you will overflow and you'll make a difference in this world. God raise up men and women in Out community church that are anointed. Their cup is overflowing because they see themselves as Christ sees them. Victorious through Jesus Christ. Would you stand up across the auditorium together?